Welcome to Cloud and Clear, the podcast by SADA for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Miles Ward. Hi, everybody. My name is Miles Ward, and this is Cloud and Clear. I am your host, the CTO at SADA Systems, but generally the bad decision maker in charge of interviewing far, far smarter folks than myself to walk through and digest and unpack and kind of better understand what what in the heck is going on with cloud? Where is this all going? What are we going to get done with? And I thought no better person to talk to. Okay, maybe there's like if we could get a there are certainly better people to talk to. That but I can't I can't actually do that intro. Like, but there is a great person to talk to. His name is Daniel. Uh, he's you know in the top five hundred or six. I'm screwing with you. So uh, Daniel, maybe give an introduction to our audience. Say howdy. Let them know who you are. You're going to do a better job of me than anyway. Sure. Uh, so my name is Daniel Mintz. Uh, I am Looker's chief data evangelist. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I had to fight for that title. Um, Looker <laughs> is, um, I believe, the biggest company that Google Cloud has acquired. So we are now a happy member of the Google Cloud family as of February or March. Um, and, you know, getting settled into that in the midst of all of this craziness has been pretty amazing. Um, but you know, we've been around uh, providing analytics, an analytics platform for our customers for, I don't know, since 2012, 2013, um, and now really excited to do that inside the the Google Cloud family. Oh, that's rad. An- analytics platform. Those are, that sounds fancy. <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, basically the idea of Looker is you have a lot of data, because every company, anybody that runs any business has a lot of data and you're probably not getting as much value from that data as you want to be. That I, I, it's rare, perhaps I have never have I met someone who's like, oh yeah, totally, no, lots of data and whew, so much value, cannot tell you how much <laughs> value I'm getting from my data. Every last bit of data, I am just wringing the, every piece of value out of it. No, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, so the basic sort of thesis that that brought looker about is like there's tons of data it lives in databases and data engines and data lakes and data whatevers that are getting incredibly fast incredibly cheap incredibly powerful and we should be able to query that data and we should be able to do that without having to wait for the overburdened analysts at our company to help us do that right we should be able to go into some kind of interface that knows all of the business metrics that I use to run my business, not generic business metrics, but the ones that make sense to me and lets me ask business questions of the data and get reliable answers back quickly. That's that's what Looker's all about. It sounds like hot magic. I, I have spent a bunch of cycles uh, working in, in the salt mines of making those things that it stands on top of faster. Uh, but you said you said something in there that I wanted to unpack, like data you know, data means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And, and it's true that there, you know, is data in a whole bunch of different places, but like, you know, you know, how big is too big? What kind of data is the wrong data? Like, you know, how, how do I get to get to that value at the far end? The reality is that except for weirdos like me, nobody actually wants data. Like I want data because I like playing with data, but that's because I'm a weirdo. (laughs) Most, Most normal people don't actually want data. 
not interested. You give them, you go, look at this data. They go, I have other things to do. Sorry, I gotta go. That's yeah. not what they want. What they want is they want answers to their questions. They want information. They want to be able to do their job better, right? And their job is not data. Their job is whatever their job is, whether that's they're a marketer or a salesperson or in ops or finance or, you know, or product, like they have a job. And if you can give them answers to their questions with data that lets them do that job better, they are going to eat that up. They love that. If on the other hand, you go, yeah, I have a long like list, I have a backlog. So I, I can get you an answer to that, you know, late next week. And they're like, well, I have to make the decision this afternoon. So I'm just going to go with my gut, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's the norm. That's how most businesses end up working because there is this giant backlog for the data analysts. And so we see the, the data analysts as a backlog and a, and a bottleneck. And frankly, they don't like that. The data analysts hate it, right? It's not fun for them to be the bottleneck. And the business people who want information don't like it because they don't like, like waiting in line. So the idea of Looker is how do you get all of that knowledge about what your data means and how it's structured and how to access it out of analysts' heads where it's locked away and, and only accessible you know, after waiting in line and into a piece of software that can, you know, democratize it and give give wide access, but do so in a way that's governed, right? That doesn't doesn't create chaos. You know, people because they're sick of waiting in line, they say, Oh, I know you're busy. Can you actually just like go into the data warehouse and slice off like a chunk of the data and then I'll take it and I'll do the analysis. I'll load it into, you know, my into Excel, basically. <laughs> Excel mm -hmm. and I'll, uh, or something like it, and I'll do the analysis, which seems like a good idea because now at least you're not waiting in line for the for the data analyst. The problem is you've got chaos then. Each person then has to figure out how do I transform this raw material, this raw data as it came out of the database into the business metrics that, that drive my business. And what you end up with is 15 different definitions of customer and mm -hmm six different definitions of account and lifetime customer value defined in completely different ways. And so it's great and fine when you're doing your own analysis. It's not so great or not so fine when you get into the meeting with the other departments and each of them have done the exact same thing. And you go, hey, well, sales are through the roof this month. And you know, marketing goes, mm, we're showing that they're going down. And finance says, well, actually, we, we see them as flat. And then you like spend the whole meeting and the next week trying to figure out whose data is right, where was it extracted from, when was it extracted, who like instead of just trying to actually make strategy and figure out what you do next, right? So those are the problems that Looker is trying to solve. I, I feel like you've you've set up this hero arc for me, right? Like I can I can see the sort of shining city on the hill yes. where we're all going to go and we don't have a bunch of chaos. Let I mean let's talk let's talk Daniel for a little bit. Like you are the the chief data evangelist, like. It seems like you're like literally King Arthur, like running through with the big sword, and you've got like Carmina Burana banging in the background. How did you get here to How did I get here? Back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, ass backwards, as as most people land places, yeah. um, uh, and with a ton of like luck and privilege uh, to to go along with that. I actually um, I started in electronic music, as most mm -hmm. data analysts do. Yeah. Um, that's what my master's is in, more or less. Um, but also while I was getting a master's in electronic music, I was, uh, working in politics 
because that's a normal thing, right? Politics, mm-hmm. data analytics, and uh, and electronic music. For, and, for, for our audience, <laughs> smart people get bored from time to time. Just throwing <laughs> it out there. <laughs> um, or just can't figure out what they want to do with their lives. <laughs> um, so working in politics, I actually, I work for an organization um, called moveon.org, which yeah. is, uh, for folks in the U.S., you may be familiar with it. It's a very giant sort of all online um, advocacy group that's been around since 1998. But the key thing to know about moveon.org is it is fundamentally just a database. Like at the end of the day, that's what MoveOn is. It's like 30 staffers and 8 million members. And so the way that the 30 staffers figure out what the 8 million members actually want to do because it doesn't matter if the 30 staffers are like, we're going to go run this ad. Like the 30 staffers don't have any power. It's only by saying, we want to run this ad. Will you chip in? And then, you know, 10,000 people chip in. And now all of a sudden you can run this ad. The only way that those 30 staffers can figure that out is by looking at data, right? They send out surveys. They, they do phone calls. They do all this stuff and they collect the data into a database. And so working at Move On, I was like, well, how do I, you know, I asked my colleagues, I was like, well, how do I, you know, get the information I need. And they were like, you write SQL. And I was like, what's SQL? And they were like, oh, you have a lot to learn. So <laughs> I learned SQL. Come to, me. Yes. Come to me to the select statement. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I learned SQL. I learned my SQL. Um, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I can just type some crazy weird words into the computer and I can know anything. Mm-hmm. This is magic. Everyone should learn SQL. Oh, I was so young and dumb. Um, <laughs> but I no, thought it was amazing. You wrong. It is amazing. And it is amazing. I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong about the everybody should learn it part. But I, so I, I did that for a long time. Um, and then I went and I worked um, with some friends from MoveOn who had started a media company called Upworthy. And I started building their data analytics stack from scratch. And that was right at the beginning of 2013. So Reg, Amazon Redshift had just come out. It was the first like major entrant into the cloud data warehouse space. And I was sort of trying to figure out like, okay, the data will be in the database, but like I'm working with a bunch of writers and editors and they're not going to learn SQL. I sort of figured that out by now. And so I said, I was like, well, what am I going to put on top of Redshift to get data into normal people's hands? And one of our early investors was like, hey, I have this friend. He just started a company out in Santa Cruz, California. You should talk to him. I think he might you might find him interesting. So I was like, all right, you know, whatever. Uh, so I hopped on the phone with, with these folks from this company called Looker. And uh, they said, let us connect to your database. And then you can ask us anything. And I said, man, I hate vendors with their ridiculous claims. And I'm just going <laughs> to love watching you fall on your face. So yeah, let's connect to my database. So I connect to the database and Lloyd, who was the founder, is the founder and and um, and was the only sales engineer at that point. He connects to the database and, and he goes, okay, ask me anything. And I go, well, okay, show me this. And he goes, boop, boop, boop. And he shows me it. And I go, okay, well, that was an easy one. Let's, let's do a harder one. Um, how about this? And he goes, boop, boop, boop. And he answers my question. And he goes, but have you thought about slicing the data this way? And then he slices the data in a way that I, whose data it was, had never thought about. And I was like, what is this black magic? Like, I need this thing. I don't know what it is, but I need it. And what it was, was fundamentally, it was like, the answer was not everyone should learn SQL. The answer was a machine should learn SQL 
And it should take the knowledge that the analysts in the company have about how to write SQL that is appropriate for that company, and it should put that in software. And then everybody should be able to use that software. And that's Looker. And so I use Looker. We bought Looker. We were like customer number 22 or something. Uh, and we used Looker for three and a half years. And then eventually I, uh, I jumped over the fence and Lloyd was like, come help us tell the world about why this is awesome. And I was like, it's kind of awesome. I don't really want to sell software, but I do want to sell Looker. So, okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I, will, I, will, I will call on the mat your story for exactly one detail. Okay. I, I was at Amazon uh, when, when we launched Redshift and, yes. and I liked it. Uh, and, uh, and I remember the, the sort of hairy negotiations uh, with, um, uh, with getting ParXL to hand over the, the code for all of that. Uh, uh, we did that in, in prompt retaliation to the two and a half years earlier launch of BigQuery. <laughs> it was like it was still this weird BigQuery is amazing and I love BigQuery, but it was still this like weird oh, yeah. step that didn't really I, I think I, I I would have to go back to the to the audio tape, but I think that I said it was the first big launch of a cloud. <laughs> so yes. like, no, Google, Google was intensely like I keep grabbing so Jordan Tagani was one of the yeah, yeah. founding team members, he and I are buddies. And uh and I'm always giving him shit about this. I'm like, why why haven't what where where are the TV ads for BigQuery? Right? Like where like it's we we just got done with, with a test project, right? Like everybody runs Hadoop, Hadoop's everywhere, Hadoop's great. You get a big scaled thing, fine, be my guest, don't care. We move their Hadoop onto the Amazon from the Amazon system over to the Google system. Yes, it's 7.48 or some silly number percent faster and cheaper. Yay, high five. It'll be working. We just take those same queries, same data, swap them in BigQuery, 79 times faster, my friends. Like yeah. Times, times faster. Times. Yeah. So when when a business, you know, has questions, you know, this. When I heard that they were starting to look through this purchase, uh, I, it it gave me like very strong peanut butter and jelly vibes, right? Oh, like totally. you 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 have the ability to ask questions at totally absurd scales, no problem. Motorola was doing I don't know how many active petabytes under query load constantly. But not everybody did the homework and learned SQL, right? And 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 one of the questions that I've gotten, you know, putting my evangelist hat on because I think this is stuff where there's a you know a lot of room to get better. Like, not only should not everyone learn SQL, I suspect there's like another layer of value where, you know, how many people don't know array function in Excel and yeah. so just don't. And end up recreating the yeah. majority of the behavior of array function through God knows what, buried around a whole nested set of V lookups and just terror. So I I, you know, your experience where he sliced the data a different way and you had just never seen it that way. Like, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to compress down those experiences more narrowly. Like on our side. Uh, customers go like, hey, I don't know if I want to sign up for this reseller thing. It seems like it's going to be a big paperwork pain in the neck. So we play back the 16 second long video where you change a 24 digit number, become a customer and then change it back and cease to be a customer, right? Like, so it's not a pain. See, easy. And they go, oh, well, that's just much better. Like which 17 second videos are missing from Looker today? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I think one of the things that uh 
that both Excel and raw SQL have wrong with them uh, is that they are not code. And again, not that everyone should go learn to code, though you're welcome to. It's fun and exciting and interesting if you're, that's the kind of person you are. So not against people learning to code, but they shouldn't have to. But the, the thing is that because it's not code and it's not repeatable and it's not reproducible, you, you, you can't get from A to B really fast because you can't leverage the work that everyone has already done, right? The brilliant insight that Lloyd had um, was that SQL is amazing and powerful and not going anywhere, but there are a bunch of rough edges. And if we can sand those rough edges off and make it reproducible, make it reusable, make it uh, collaborative, make it version controlled, make it organized, make it all of those things, then that's that opens up enormous new possibilities. And so like one example of that is you know we have what we call looker blocks which mm. are fundamentally just a bunch of code but it's it's lookml which is the modeling language in looker the thing that actually lets analysts get their knowledge about what the data means out of their heads and you know every business under the sun has salesforce or some other crm right and so if you come to us with salesforce data if you've ever looked at the the erd the schema of the data in salesforce it is gnarly it is huge and <laughs> uses more than like 30 percent of it right it's just this massive thing and you're only using a tiny fraction of it and so people are Byzantine like team well, is the yeah, word oh, I've heard absolutely. Used. Yeah. yeah and they're like well i got my data out of salesforce so now i want to start using it you know i want to ask questions of the data and it's like well great but for if you start with that raw Byzantine schema, what the first thing you have to do is like figure out how does all this stuff fit together. And Looker can write LookML once that knows how to do all that stuff, that has pre-built dashboards, that does all that, but it's still code. So because every single person's Salesforce implementation is like slightly different, right? Oh yeah, we added this custom field. And if you don't exclude the ones, you know, where that custom field is C, then you're gonna get completely wrong numbers. It's like, okay, well. Because it's just code, you can still go in and go like, oh, but let's let me tell you about this custom field that we added in, in Salesforce or this custom object. And so, you know, that ability to pre-do a lot of the work and then just send accelerate people and send them off to the races is, I think, one of the things that we're really investing in heavily at Looker and that makes for really awesome 17-second videos. Cause it's just like, oh yeah, you have Salesforce data. Now you have Salesforce dashboards. Now start asking questions. Yeah, that's that's hot. I mean, there's there's just a lot where, you know, we, you know, like get to the good part is the label one of the one of the buddies of mine is using a bunch. Uh, you know, where it's like there's so much boilerplate and repetition, and you know, oh, I got to start at the top and work through step four hundred and sixteen. Like, so I, you know, I I, I think any. Like, uh, I, oh, can't. I can't do it. I just, I, I'm going to go back. Right. So that's that, that I think is a super fun, uh, you know, dance move to be going through and looking at kind of a per per product that you ingest from as an output. And I, and I, one of the things we're thinking a lot about is uh, it's kind of the opposite of that problem, right? Like 
there are a whole bunch of existing pieces of SaaS software, existing configurations of relational databases that are meant for the interfaces with other kinds of software applications. All of that stuff, the, the kind of this existing structure, the, the topography of the yes. planet's funky data, right? Um, and, uh, you know, in the same way, like I, I thought it was the sort of master stroke on the Google side when they launched GCS to emulate the S3 API, right? Like, don't come up with another API. Just just use that one. It works great. Like, I imagine if I were going to be, you know, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to start a new, brand new shiny CRM company. It's going to be amazing. Why why arrive on my own output schema when I can just output Salesforce, right? Like, isn't yep. isn't every API a document template, for lack of a, of better sort of phrasing or labeling? And so, what we're trying to think through is you know, especially for all the companies that are starting, you know, we're, we're working a lot with companies that are starting to build software or moving from like augmenting software to seriously, okay, look, we have to build a bunch of software internally. And uh, we get the question back. That's kind of the opposite. Like, you know, I, I know the raw crappy data that my logs spit out. Like what, what, how should, you know, what should our schema be to feed in to make it so that liquor would make sense of it? Like it makes sense of everything else. Any kind of views to that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the problem with software engineers, um, I'll just I'll start a fight. Uh, <laughs> the problem with software engineers. Now, I I mean, I'm a data analyst, so like I'm on the opposite side of this of this. But like, I think exactly. the the pro- well, let's let's start where the problem really lies. The problem with business people is that they say, I don't know what we need to track, so just track everything. And software engineers are like, all right, okay, I'll just track everything. And then they dump this pile of junk in the analyst's lap and they say, make something of this. And like that entire process is backwards. The way that it has to go and and what I would tell anyone who's starting up a software business is don't start with the logs. Logs are important for, you know, telemetry and understanding why stuff is breaking and what you know all of that don't start there start with what are the things we want to know about how our software is working right what are the important things to know let's let's get a list of 10 of those now in order to answer those questions what are the things that we need to track and how should we track them right and if you do that a you actually can answer those questions and b the answers to those questions aren't buried in a pile of junk. So it's so much easier to work with them, right? And it's and you don't like, look, Salesforce is an amazing technology, but like the amount of cruft that lives in there because it can do everything is enormous. If you're starting from scratch, one of the benefits you have is focus and you're not trying to do everything. So don't worry about tracking everything. Worry about tracking the metrics that matter that are going to be able to answer the business questions that you actually care about. Yeah, the meta- the metaphor that I heard from from one of my developer buddies that I thought was perfect is dimensional lumber. Yeah. It's like your house is made out of wood and my house is made out of wood too. And yeah. there is it is absolutely possible that we could have bought trees and chopped them up and we could have even all decided to buy trees and chop them up into rectangular pieces. But if we don't all agree 
But those yeah. pieces are two inches by four inches, which really isn't two inches by four inches. No, it's not. It's one and a half inches by. Whatever, but the eight feet right? part is real. It's but very it's, confusing. It's, right. And this, it's like the perfect example of what's broken in people's data, right? Is yeah, exactly. Two by fours are one and a half. <laughs> two by fours are not two inches thick, right? Uh, and, and that kind of like the 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 convention as placeholder for you know actual digits and and how you have to sort of archaeize not that's not really a word it's like i want archaeology but in the active tense but yes yeah <laughs> but i think like i think actually that's where looker comes in though right is like is to you know that your data is dirty and you know how your data is dirty. And the reality is data is always going to be dirty. There's, it, mm -hmm. there's no perfect clean data. And so knowing that that data is going to be dirty and that two by four actually means mm -hmm. one and a half inches by three and a half uh, inches, which uh, is nuts, nuts. You can put that into look ML and say like, yeah, 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 yeah. They're going to type in two by four because they're normal people. And that's what mm -hmm. we call it. But when you calculate the weight Mm -hmm. of that piece of wood please know that its volume needs to be calculated with one and a half by three and a half right and that is not something that a normal person should have to keep track of right the software should keep track of it because it's always true and mm -hmm. so you know i think that converting the the sort of business logic into the very precise specific details that the database needs is is what looker is really good at because we're we don't live in a world where we pretend yes the data is going to be pristine and yes we're going to go talk to the mill and make sure that they actually make two by fours two by four because we just know that that's not going to happen so we just got to deal with the world as it is yeah there and i so i i had a question about that that that's kind of a part of that right i was excited about the looker acquisition because i thought for for the things that you know whatever Google did well and and that the open source technology that Google had been contributing to did well that uh, you know if there's if there was a clear example of of a pragmatic interface of a place where I I don't I don't care I don't care about any of the underlying crap I just have this question and I would like an answer and I thought that so so much more clearly reflected the reality of the vast majority of the problems that can be solved by these kinds of tools um, that I hoped it would be inspirational for the rest of Google product management, right? Like, <laughs> like, oh, I, yeah, some of these things I, are sort of obtuse for no good reason. Can we make them like a little yeah. more pragmatic, please? Yeah, I mean, Googlers are not normal. Uh, I've, I've been there for, for five months now and they're not normal. And I, and I don't mean that in a mean way or anything. They're just not like representative of a business manager of a, you know, auto parts supply business in Chicago. Um, I feel like that was probably Tommy boy that I'm probably referencing you know, sub, subconsciously there, but like, but you know, they're just, they're not, it, it you know, I, I I wrote, I wrote a blog post about this when I first came to Looker. I don't even remember what sparked it, but it was just called uh, You're Not Normal. And, you know, we as humans have this uh, this problem, which is that we can only see the world through our own eyes. And we have this very, very bad uh, habit of assuming that we are representative of everyone else's experience. And we're not, you know. Uh, and so acknowledging that and remembering that the vast majority of companies out there have very different experiences and very different, you know, capabilities and and focuses than, you know, your average Google engineer, your average Google product manager is really important. And I think, um, 
you know, I think that is uh, like as Google, you know, takes part in the cloud wars, I think, you know, that that is a really important thing for for them to embrace, um, for us to embrace, right? That the goal here is to serve the the huge number of companies that are out there that want to be successful with technology. And sometimes that is about like, let me talk to you about how many cores and how much memory, but sometimes it's, here's the business problem that I want to solve. Help me do that as efficiently as possible. I don't yeah. care what the hardware is. I don't care how it's done. Just help me solve the business problem. And I think we're seeing that, you know, inside Google, there are just, um, you know, uh, talking to product managers and and folks who are building these amazing solutions across Google, like they they are definitely tackling that head on. But I think that's that's where the real value for for you know, businesses is. Yeah, I mean, from where we were, right? Like I, I was in a meeting, uh, uh, Astrid Atkinson, who built Band Aid, the entire global front end, like all traffic into all of Alphabet flows through her code, right? Like, okay. Uh, and I'm saying, look, 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 we're going to need identity and access management. Like, I, I really promise this is kind of an important thing. And they're like, oh, but there are all these workloads and we, we got to have better priorities than that. I'm like, no, 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 stop. No, 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 fingers in the ears. Trust me, I am. I'm telling you. So, you know, to in that meeting, her advice to me was, you know, we shouldn't call it enterprise. That really freaks out a lot of our developers. Let's let's call it large organization basics. And I said, that sounds great. So large organization basics was formed. And as a result, you know, GCP has identity and access management and integration with Active Directory and you know, like works. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that that part, the the pragmatic grasp on, you know, getting from uh, you know what are what Spotify called weapons grade componentry, but still components. Yeah, in, in lots of parts. Yeah, into cool solutions where you know I've watched a bunch of people stitch together. I use Flume as our output system on, and then we roll all of that into Kafka because that's what I like. But but then I've got a commercial thing uh, in Informatica to get that plumbed into an Oracle database, and then I stuff it out of that to go visualize through Tableau. But oh, but these other charts, I, I don't do them in Tableau. I've rewritten those in D3 because I've got my shit together. And like, oh, okay. Like, I, 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 I if you're doing fear. that, you're not normal. <laughs> okay. Like that is that is right. the the mark of an of a non-normal person. And that's okay. Those people are incredibly valuable and they they blaze the trail for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like normal people just want this, the problem solved and they don't want to do all that stitching. And I, and I think like part of it is just by virtue of being a startup or, you know, a, 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 what was a startup and building a business, Looker, we didn't have the luxury of not, solving people's problems, right? We couldn't chase stuff just because it was interesting and 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 great technology. We had to solve people's problems because if we didn't, they wouldn't pay us and then mm-hmm. we'd go out of business. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think that that is a 
really powerful motivator that uh, keeps you on task and says like, yeah, no, we're not going to chase the interesting problems. We're going to chase the ones that are actually solving people's problems where they say, this is great. I will pay you money this year and I will pay you money next year and I will pay you money the year after that. It's like, yeah, that's great. And I, and I think, you know, I think the SaaS model in general also just aligns incentives really nicely because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't only our incentive to sell, you know, customers, the thing, it was our very strong incentive to make sure that they were incredibly successful with it because if they weren't, they wouldn't renew. And so, you know, I think, the, the change from the enterprise, you know, license model where it's like, oh, yeah, you buy the thing, you know, and it costs a million dollars and then you just pay maintenance. So you're like kind of locked in and you, but you kind of hate it because it doesn't really work to the SaaS model. I think that's that's all to the good. I think that that helps everybody. Yeah, I I am a giant fan of of that model. I like uh, I also recognize how complicated business buyers are. And and how much flexibility they need in that structure, but the 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 root in the center of it, which is I want to see value every month, so I'm going to write a check every month, and this is the sort of the linear relationship there. I think is a superpower, um, and it's better generally in SaaS than it is in things like infrastructure components because you can have this totally nonlinear relationship between the cost of components and the value they deliver. Where with SaaS, it's kind of like your your problem. You have to figure out how to deal with all the crap that's cost of components we're and making how much a month. Yeah, and yeah. nobody's using you. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're gonna cancel at the end yeah. of this year. One of the interesting things is to to your point about business buyers. Um, turns out they're like whole people. Like they're they're human beings and they have feelings and motivations and desires and all of those things. Not only that, but some of them are actually kind of bad at. Uh, selling you internally. And so part of your job as a SaaS company is not only making people successful, but helping the the sort of owners and champions of your product sell internally and show value internally, right? So that when the CFO says, you're paying them how much? What do they do for you? The person isn't like, uh, they, um, well, we use them for our data. They're like, oh, yeah, no. Well, remember the outage last week? We got on that six hours faster because we were getting alerts from Looker. So that saved us, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, and also it's the thing that's waiting for you every morning uh, in your inbox. And also it's this and it's this and this and it's this. It's like, yeah, we need to equip those people to be able to sell that value internally so that we can make the case for, you know, to, to everybody in the business that we are we are providing uh, hopefully a lot more value than, than they're paying us. I think the businesses, I don't understand why it's not a more, uh, you know, a, a clearer calculus in, in the VC world or in the, in the, the funder world where Tim O'Reilly says it the clearest, like create more value than you capture is the only path forward in this thing. And it's so obvious when you see products that behave that way. And it's so obvious when you see products that do not behave in that way. So I, uh, the maybe you know kind of as a last you know direction in this thing the um for for customers right like we we were early experimenters we ended up building together with looker this thing called the national response portal which is is super fascinating i think it's my kind of first experience with uh you know with with, with sort of production outputs from a as a first party user not helping yeah. other customers be effective with it but but having to be effective with it ourselves and 
you know, we had the most sort of ludicrous, in, incredible onboarding possible, right? It was like a whole bunch of internal Looker engineers are in our chat thread and we're all over engaging with you because we're all on this kind of mad rush to build something useful. How should folks get started? Where, what, you know, yeah. what, what are the first things they should take a look at? How do they, how do they get to a first step? Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the, <laughs> they should not have a ludicrous use case like, uh, like Sada's. And, and, you know, I think, uh, obviously, we're all adapting to this new world and, and some very unusual requirements. And that's great and fine. But um, yeah, I mean, most companies, when they come to us, um, come to us with a desire to get more value from their data. And that should hopefully, um, zero in on one or two places where where you're you know that you have something valuable where there's there's gold in them their hills and you want to go mine it and you know the way that looker has sold for its entirety uh, the entirety of our history is by doing um you know trials by doing a free trial and saying you know this isn't a piece of software that you just download and play with because it's you know it's a complicated piece of software that takes a little bit of expertise um to to implement but it is it it only takes a little bit and so we want to spend three weeks working alongside of you and co-developing some look out with you so that at the end of three weeks you actually have value right you're like oh i can answer questions that i couldn't answer before um and so you know that is that is the way that we've always sold uh it it makes some people like it shocks some people they're like wait you just like like if if i have data you'll do a free trial it's like yeah if you have a valid use case and you're you know excited about getting more value we're going to sit down with you and 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 actually prove out right do a poc um and you know we've just found that in those three weeks we can we can quite often show you the value right and unlock that value and so you know i think um to use one of those those Silicon Valley terms that I just hate. Um, you know, we we try not to boil the ocean in those. Hey. Like, um, it's it's a and drink. Um, it's a, it's not uh, about solving every one of your data problems in three weeks. It's about saying where is there where is there information that we can't currently access or we can't get in the right hands at the right time, um, and how do we you know how do we solve that problem and provide business value. And then, then once that's done, then we'll tackle the next, and then we'll tackle the next, right? It's a it's an agile sort of incremental process of building up value, and um, and one of the really nice things about the way that Looker works is that, you know, if you take your marketing data and you you say, my God, we spend so much on ads, really would be great to understand which of them is working and which isn't, um, and so you model your marketing data, and that's the first thing you tackle. When the next thing you tackle is your sales data, you can join up your marketing data without having to redo any of that work, right? And so yep. all of the knowledge that the marketing analyst has about what the marketing data actually means now can just be joined up with all of the knowledge that the sales analyst has about what the sales data means. And so now you can say, well, yes, the you know the click-through rate on these ads is really great, but it turns out that when you follow them all the way down the funnel, they only buy once because they were just interested in the coupon. And they don't become repeat buyers. And now we can see that whole, you know, part. And then you connect that up with your, you know, um, your Zendesk data. And so now you're like, oh, and now we can see that the people who come in on this have a much higher support load. And so, right. And you just like you start to build this world where you actually can see everything that's happening in your business. And it's not 
an instantaneous thing. It's a thing that takes investment, but it's an investment that pays enormous, enormous dividends. I think that's exactly right. That's that's what we're seeing in practice. And I, I appreciate you helping people think through the kind of the stepwise approach. We uh, you know, we we live in the real world full time and and every customer wants something that they can pull the trigger on fast and ah, I'm gonna get a result next week. I've got I got a thing coming, I gotta get this done. But it but it's it is the it is the correct and real world way of saying, no, we're gonna take some time and we're gonna work together and we're gonna build uh, you know something that you can stand on the shoulders of that can stand on the shoulders of that can stand on the shoulders of and accrete value over time. Sort of the Katamari Damacy of data value, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the bane of all data data analysts' existence is that, you know, we never know whether that one-off analysis we did is going to be a one-off analysis or the thing that like drives our business for the next six years. <laughs> and so we're just really terrible every last one of us at like building sustainable, you know, reproducible things. Cause we're like, ah, this is a one-off. And then you like go look at a data analyst desktop and it's like sql.final.sql. And then it's like really final.sql. No, no, really this time final.sql, right? That's, that's the, our world. And so like for us, Looker, us data analysts, we data analysts, like Looker is just a breath of fresh air because all of those, I hate to give you software developers uh, kudos, <laughs> but all of the brilliant uh, ideas that you all had about like organizing code and version controlling it and, you know, um, making it collaborative and dry and all of that good stuff. Looker just, we stole all those ideas and we put them into data analysis because somehow they never migrated. And so we were stuck in the dark ages of like, yeah, no, we write 400 line SQL statements. And then next week I can't even read my own stuff because it's mm -hmm. just uh, that's the world that many data analysts still live in. And Looker oh, said, yeah. we can do better. Oh, Let's yeah. steal the software developer's idea. <laughs> to go, to go first full circle to where you started. I, you know, I finally, finally started shoving some of my music production work in, into Git. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. I don't lose track of shit quite so bad. Yeah. And, and maybe just, maybe just, maybe we can get, somebody on the floor of Congress to use source control just to sort of, you know, track changes and diffs and all that sort of good stuff. Right. Yeah, no, it is. It is a really, whoever figured out source control, kudos to you, sir. Yeah. You oh, did yeah. a really good thing back in 1968 or whenever it was. Well, look, this was super productive. I appreciate you taking the cycles. Any, any last bits you want to yell at people before I sign us off? Don't settle for for piles of data that you're not using. That's it's really a waste. And there are just huge insights in there that you should be taking advantage of. So um, if you're not getting value from your data, give us a call. We'd love to help you. We are of the same view. Yeah, you can call us and I'll call David. It'll work out great. Like uh thank you for taking the cycles to to walk everybody through it. And and I appreciate you spending the time with me saying silly stuff. Thanks, right. My pleasure. Thanks a bunch. All right, everybody. Toodles. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.